0: Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Smith. And if you have not done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another episode. And if you love this podcast and want some tips and tricks on how to improve yourself, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. There are a ton of instructional videos there. You can find the links below. And today, today is my guest, Daniel Yoris. Daniel, welcome to the show.
1: Kyle, thanks for having me, man. It's a it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you know, we we connected on social media, and I said, hey, this is a guy that I that I want to talk to and just and just share ideas with. So I'm really happy to be here, man.
0: That is fantastic. So getting into some uh, nitty gritties on the on this one, um, it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Aristotle. Why is this quote important to you?
1: Over the last couple of years. Um, we've seen a lot of thought that has been put out there and people getting angry, upset, agitated, stopping friends with people for their thoughts or for the things that they say and whether or not they believe in them. So when I first heard this quote, I was like, that is that is spot on. And so, you not, you I believe, you know, one must be able to think a thought or entertain a thought and say, okay, this is a thing. I don't necessarily have to believe it, but I can put myself in that person's shoes and say, what would the person who believes this, or why would the person who believes this, believe this? What has happened in their life? What has transpired in their experiences that would make this thought that I believe to be untrue, true to that person? So we can can go very deep, uh, far off the deep end with, with that one. But I think it's about understanding that everything that you think may not be necessarily true and that everything other people think that you disagree with might be might be correct. In the context of fitness, someone has their own dietary approach. I think I think I said fitness and then diet, but like I think this is most applicable to dietary approaches where people take it like or consider it to be a religion almost where someone who says, you know, carbs are the enemy and you must have zero carbs and that's the only way to lose weight. Well, the reason that that person might be saying that is not because they're super educated and like know all the things and like they truly believe that. It may just be that in their personal life experience, that was the thing that worked for them. And so they have trouble understanding that what worked for them might not work for everyone else, but what they're saying is not necessarily wrong. And so to attack them for being wrong is not, is not right. But to help to understand that it is true to them and that they're not lying, they're just they just don't understand or don't know the entire truth yet. I think this changes when people who are very educated and and are doctors or call themselves doctors and call themselves nutrition experts and claim to have done all the research are spewing nonsense. That's a different thing because you need to hold those people to a higher standard. But your average trainer who said who you know claims to have the secret sauce it's not necessarily their fault that they believe that. And so a long-winded answer, but I think it's very important to be able to, to to do exactly that, to be able to understand where other people are coming from in any context, and especially in fitness.
0: completely agree with that. I, I think that it's very, to piggyback off of that one as well. I think it's very important for people to actively try to understand the underlying beliefs behind someone's actions, because then we actually see or we it becomes clearer what why the reason why the person is doing the thing that they're doing, rather than we're not taking it as face value as, oh, this person is saying this because of this. And that this is that our interpretation. It's like, no, no, no. Why is it that someone understands that? And I think um, engaging in curiosity and understanding what uh, the perspectives and the stories and the narratives and the BS, the belief systems that the person has. It creates, it, it makes a, the 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 little small picture that we see. It extrapolates it into a mosaic, and it's like, oh, I get it. Yeah. So, in saying that, where where have you found to be uh, a personal difficulty, like something that you struggled to or struggled with, to eventually get to this point where you're looking at someone? and you're curious and you're, cause you have a podcast as well. So I imagine you engage in curiosity fairly often.
1: Yeah. So I, I try and do this in, in most aspects of my life. And when I hear things, whether they be, be political or just uh, someone's thought about how to conduct their life or how to conduct their business or how people conduct their fitness is probably the most, most applicable to, to my day to day. And I see trainers who like do something that I, off the top, my first reaction is like, well, that's fucking stupid. And then I think about like, well, hold on a second. Maybe it's not like, it's not that stupid. It's, it, it could be good for this population or this type of person or this type of thing. And so I caught myself when I was earlier in my career, not that I've been doing this for, you know, 30 years, I'm not, I'm 28 years old. I'm not that old, but earlier I caught myself thinking that like, I know way more than like a lot of these other people. And then as I learn more, I realized like, I, I'm not like, I i don't have the secret sauce. Again, like I don't, I don't know more than everyone. And there is a method to everyone's madness and people know what they're doing. And some people again, are ignorant to the things that they, that they don't know, but what they do works for them and for their clients and for their, for their people. So I can't, I don't know that I can pull any specific examples off the, off the top of my head right now, but, uh. but it's just, it's just this examination of why do people do the things that they do? And it could even be someone, you know, walking in the mall and it's like, they hold their, but they hold their bag on their left shoulder and I'm a right shoulder bag holder. And I'm like, well, why, why is that guy doing that? Like that's dumb. And I realized, Oh, well, you know, that guy hurt his right shoulder. He has a separated a AC joint, something or other. So that's why it's like, okay, that's like a, a very silly example, but I think it's a, it's a microcosm of what it could be where you think that everyone should do things the way that you do things, because the way that you do things is correct in air quotes. And we have to realize that there might be a better way to do things. So always trying to find a better way a different way a different angle to look at things because while the human experience is more similar i think than we than we than we try to make it and like everyone's unique and you're a, you know everyone's doing their own thing like we're 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 very similar and so when we speak in in public forums like podcasts or on social media or just in general thought patterns We have to think in generalizations, but then that breaks down when we think about an actual individual, a personal training client, or just a friend who you're speaking to, because they are not, nobody fits into that, that average person. No one fits that mold. So you need to take all those experiences and figure, well, how does this idea apply to that person, given the context of
0: their life? I like that. So do you have any, or do you have any practices that have stuck with you for the last couple of years to get you into a certain state?
1: Along the lines of this is, is actually just taking, taking a pause before I react to things. So if I see something that, that sparks a, an emotional reaction in me, I'll be like, okay, let me just examine this emotional reaction. Why do I feel that way? First of all, why, why, am I, why am I angered by this or excited by this? It works both positive and negative. And then think about what would someone who disagrees with this say? And also, what would it take to change my mind? if that thing exists then i'm be like oh well maybe i'm wrong or maybe i'm right but i was you know only half right and i'm wrong about the you know the back half of it or the longer term implication so it's really just taking in an, uh, an examination of of my own thoughts and and really taking that pause and i think this you know relates to mindfulness and meditation and being able to see my thoughts from like a third party view versus just thinking them and let them and let them happen because then that you know then you're just spewing your mouth like everybody else. And it's like, well, my, my ideas are not always correct. So it's, it's just that taking that pause, looking at myself from a third party bird, bird's eye view, and then, and then examining my thoughts and and making a better decision or what I deem to be a, a better or more informed decision.
0: At what point, I'm just, this is an assumptive question. At what point in your life were you introduced to philosophy and Piggybacking off of that. Yeah, just go with that. Go with that.
1: So it's hard to pinpoint a time, but the I think the backstory of it is that I know uh, for anyone who watches the the video of this, like my my appearance doesn't suggest that my heritage is Greek and Italian, but it is. my my mom's side of the family is is uh, Italian, my dad's side of the family is Greek. And then I look, you know, like Irish or something. So so there, you know, whatever. that's that's fine. but but that being said, I, I have always been drawn to history. and of course, like ancient Greece, ancient Rome, two very prominent historical, nations, civilizations, if you will. And so I've always been drawn to that. And that's, that's a piece of me that is a, that is a part of my heritage and who I am and how my family got here and, and who made, what made me, me today. And so, you know, I, I loved the movie 300 and I've always enjoyed this, this ancient history of these things. And so through that, you know, you think about Alexander the Great is a, is a perfect example of this. My, my family is actually, my Greek side of my family is actually from like a village that is, 30 minutes away, basically from where Alexander was, was born and raised and was from. So if I internalize that and have that, like, this is part of who I am. And he was taught by, you know, the people that he was taught by and the philosophers and their whole lineage. When I started to become mature, I started to think about, you know, how did we come to these thoughts? Why are things the way that they are? And so I take, you know, the movies and the stories and the history of it all and think, well, this is like pretty cool. But like Alexander didn't just wasn't just born like that. He was taught by someone who was very intelligent and who made him think about things. And so that was, I guess, my introduction to philosophy. And then I had uh, a pretty big, I had knee injuries, like my whole athletic career from when I was like 12 years old onwards. And there, there was a point, it was eight and a half years ago now where I had a pretty big surgery and the ending result of the surgery was I couldn't weight bear on my left leg for, uh, 13 weeks, a little over three months. And so in that time, I had a lot of time to sit down and think and do nothing. And so that was my intro to philosophy when, you know, you beat the video games. Like I've watched all the TV shows. I did everything else, did all the bumming around stuff. And it's like, Oh, and let me just scroll on this and introduce, introduce, in- be introduced to, stoicism and various other forms of of philosophy and just like read this and oh that quote sounds great and aristotle said that and socrates said that and it's like oh this thing this stuff all matters and so that was i guess my my intro and then i you know continued to to expand on that and tie it into other things because i think that you know the the intellectual aspect and the physical aspect and this sort of warrior poet thing is something that i try to try to embody and you know even with my own podcast and my own stuff i try to mesh fitness and and the rest of life and I think that there's far more overlap in that than than many people think and you can you can be romantic about it or you can just go to the gym and like do your thing and not think about it but I think that there's a lot of ta- uh crossover between all that and and that these ideas are not new that's the thing that that is so amazing to me that you know I read a quote like the one that you read at the beginning and that was said you know 2000 years ago 3000 years ago whatever it was but it's still extremely relevant today and that is that is very, very interesting to me that how can this something that this guy just said, and he may have not even thought about it that much. He may have just like spewed that off as just like a, what a throw, like a tweet, the equivalent of like him tweeting on the toilet. It could have just been that. And it's like, this is something that we say that like influences our conversation today. And that's like very amazing to me.
0: I completely agree with the, uh, the 20, the, it being 2000 years old and we're still learning from, uh, people, they're just timeless lessons. I think that that's. Something to recognize, something that's important to recognize, is uh, kind of like what you're saying: is we are all connected in some way, shape, and or form towards each other. Like we're all birthed from the same point in time, no matter what the point of time people believe, we're all from the same point in time. So the thing that's interesting that I like talking about is you and I are built up of the same celestial substances, right? The only difference between you, myself, and others is our consciousness. So if we take away the the if we were to take away the consciousness, then we become the animals. We become more physical beings. But when our when we have our consciousness with our consciousness, we are conceptual. Mm. Right. It's kind of neat because the I I think it's like the body can live without the mind, but the mind can't live without the body. And Yeah. That was just like a little thought, but so piggybacking off of what you were saying before about the knee injury. And then that's when you, when you basically emptied out the frigging reserves of (laughs) things that you can do in your downtime, then people, I find that when people are at their lowest low, that's when they find philosophy the most. Like if you look at some of the philosophers, um, not Epictetus, but even before Epictetus, maybe it was Epictetus. Or maybe he was introduced, or maybe it was Cato. But, anyways, basic ships, everything completely destroyed, went, grabbed a scroll, basically going to a library, looking into a bunch of shit, and then finding some scrolls, and is like, oh, oh, this is how I reframe it. I find that at some point in time, everybody is introduced to a form of philosophy. And I also put like, I kind of toss um. So the belief systems, not the not the celestial kind of universal like creator kind of style, but I think a lot of there's a lot of overlap in Buddhism, Stoic philosophy, Hindu, uh, Christianity. It was theorized that between the birth and the death of Jesus, he actually wandered on east, learned Buddhism, and that's why Christianity has a lot of Buddhist uh, influences or similarities. Uh, so I find that everybody at some point finds themselves believing in something where it's like, I am in such a shitty place that I have to believe something to be able to get me through. I find that when people do not choose to pursue it, it happens by chance. So it's either by choice mm-hmm. or by chance that people learn about philosophy and they learn a little bit more about themselves and what they're capable of through that process. So how do you think, cause we talked about chance, right? Um, if someone did not want to like bust up their legs,
1: <laughs> would instead, not recommend. Instead,
0: <laughs> yeah, hard no, yeah. And instead, would rather choose self awareness, self reflection, uh, asking themselves, "How am I a part of the problem? How am I a part of the solution?" Uh, understanding what they do and do not have control of. Where do you do you take your clients through a process of choosing? A more philosophical approach towards their well-being?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely try to, but it is something that each of us has to come to on our own through our own methods. And so the the most basic level for, for me and, and with my clients is focusing on the the breath, which is the most like you know basic essential aspect of all of this. And so like every workout ends with a very short, you know box breathing style of exercise. And so, you know, the first the first time that I do it with a new client especially like an an in-person client I'm like this is going to be a little bit weird. If you've never done this before, this is going to be a little bit weird, but close your eyes, lay back, listen to my voice, follow the instructions and and just trust me, you'll feel better after. It will get less weird as we go on. And so they do that and then for the first time and this may be some anyone who's, you know, from 20 to 60 plus years old, they do that and it's like, wow, that was that was amazing. And it may have been even the first conscious breath that that person has taken in really their entire life, which is sounds like hyperbole, but but it's not if you've never actually done some sort of intentional breath work or some sort of intentional meditation of, of any kind and and call it meditation, prayer, whatever you want to call it, but it's all it's all kind of the same stuff. So that's sort of my entry point. And then through the conversations about whatever it is that we're focusing on with their lifestyle or with their their exercise, I try and draw those parallels. Like, okay, well, you did this about your workout. And so you realize this. Yeah, the scale went down or or the scale went up if we're gaining muscle you felt better and you and you felt differently about yourself in that scenario when you went to the wedding and you put that suit on and the jacket closed up. And it's like, well, it wasn't that the jacket closed up, it's that you stood up taller and or was it was that the jacket closed up and that's, that's great, but now you stood up taller. You stood with your shoulders open and your chin up, not looking at the ground, and you saw the world from quite literally a different perspective because your head is now you know up and looking out versus down and and looking at the floor. And so trying to just draw these the draw draw their attention to their own awareness is probably the the way that I the way that I try and do it, but at the same time it is it is something that people need to need to find on their own. You can you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink sort of thing. So uh I I, I am I do believe that you do need to go through some type of hardship to really sort of embody it and it doesn't I wish that no one goes through any hardship, but it's the same as like, you know, when you're a little kid and your parents tell you like, Oh, when you're, when you're older, you'll understand. And they tell you that same lesson a hundred times. or like, you know, don't, don't touch the hot stove. And you, you know, your mom, you know that your mom told you not to touch the hot stove, but you don't really believe her until you touch it. You're like, ah, oh, fuck, that was hot. Okay. I shouldn't do that. You got to learn the lesson for yourself. So hopefully no one goes through shit, but people are going to, and everyone's 10 out of 10 is their 10 out of 10, like going through that knee surgery and, and the recovery of all that and not being able to move and whatever, that whole story was like probably the lowest point of my life ish. And I'm very well aware that like, in the grand scheme of the world that is not a very low point to be at there are people who have way way worse lives than me and their lowest low is like my lowest low is like a good day for them and and I'm aware of that and and I'm sympathetic to that but it's not but it doesn't take away from the fact that that is still like my lowest low and and that and the experiences that I that I take from that so I think you got to go through stuff but you got to if you if you're not if that's not going to happen which you, ideally you've got to just find ways to be aware of the things that you're doing and the implications of those actions and I think exercise is a great way to do it because the action and outcome is pretty closely
0: tied together. Yeah. I think uh I think the beauty of exercise and I think when it comes down to people having that flipping that switch when people are really flipping that switch where it's like, oh shit, they set a new, they get into that realm where they have some sort of like philosophy or some sort of like system to get them through things. I find that a common denominator, especially in the last three years or so, a common denominator that I found with people that are, I've been chatting with that have very uh, similar, similar kind of uh, experiences, which is kind of cool. We, Got to switch it from the mind to the body. We're too much in our mind, and we got to like switch it up to our body, and then we actually find like a a balance and a homeostasis between it. Because when I really started thinking, hmm, how am I a part of the problem? Uh, I chose to go do just a really tough obstacle course. Basically, it was the world's toughest mire, twenty four hour races, or a twenty four hour race just kept on going, and I developed the philosophy then that you have to break down the body to build up the mind. Break down the body to build up the mind. When we get, it, when we have that breath, like breath work is huge for myself. I don't do it post workouts, but I think I'm going to probably adopt that because you're totally right. Like there's not enough. There, there's so few people that have really intentionally breath t- taken a breath, like they're just shallow chest breathing. They've never breathed into their bellies, mm-hmm. you know, and. There is, there is a little bit of an oxygen wooziness, or as Wim Hof would say, getting high off your own supply, yeah. right? I think that there is something that connects people where they just, when we get take ourselves out of our minds and into our bodies, then things almost resolve themselves because it just happens by the flow of things. It just continuously, when we put actions before anxieties.
1: No, I I totally agree with with everything you're saying. I think even to 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 highlight that a little bit more is that it's it's way easier for most people to get into their bodies than to get out of their head. And the example is this. If I tell you stop thinking about your problems, you're going to think about your problems. You know, quiet your mind, l- lay down and just let it let it all go. Like that's very difficult to do unless you're well practiced at that. But if I tell you to squeeze a shit out of your bicep while you're doing this curl, and or maybe a curl wouldn't be a good example but like you know brace your body and like get get under this heavy bar we're squatting today like if you start thinking about other shit you are going to fail that squat so by getting into your body through the exercise the other stuff by default goes away and then that is a way to start to train that cuz you Then I draw consciousness to the fact that like, remember this entire workout, how you stopped complaining about your boss or your whatever it was that you were complaining about before that all went away and it'll come back and that's fine. But now you have like some practice or some experience with getting that shit out of your head. So now when we go down to lay down, we have something to draw from, from, and even if it's for a moment, you squeeze your fist, you squeeze your curl up your toes, you, you use some sort of physical cue to get out of your. To get into your body, which by default again gets you out of your head, so that's why I love exercise for that reason as a way as an entry point to this. Now, they not, that may not work for everyone, and I don't think it would work for everyone. There are some people who just like they're they would much rather they would be able to just lay down and like let their brain empty. And to those people, like by all means, go like do your thing. I think you still need to exercise for a lot of other reasons, but but for many people, the exercise is just a more tangible way to to do that stuff.
0: Absolutely. So, um, how does what you do impact others?
1: That's a big question. <laughs> um, well, I think the, the you know the first and, and most obvious way is changing the their physical body and improving their health. People who are overweight, unhealthy, uh, have pain and injuries, or you know weak or whatever, if we fix that, that already improves their quality of life. Better able to play with their kids better at sports. uh, You feel better in your clothes. You just, you feel better generally more energy for your job and all that stuff. Then from that, that's, that's the first and like, that's, that's cool, but that's not the coolest part. The coolest part is I feel more confident in my life. I feel the, the confidence or the ability to start a business that I've always been wanting to start, or I've, you know, been able to ask out that guy or that girl and and those kind of things where it's like now the the stuff that the confidence, the strength, the ability, the the intangible lessons that you've taken from the gym, they start to apply from to the rest of your life. And I think that is the biggest way that that I impact people. I I if I go back through all of my clients and I ask them what was like the thing that I helped you with the most. Some of them might say, Yeah, you helped me lose that 15 pounds that I that I you know was trying to lose. But I would bet that most of them would say, Well, you helped me become more confident in my life, feel better about my body, feel better about this, or you know, be show up more or better in my relationship, or whatever the case is that's applicable to their life. So the the physical changes are cool, but that's like that's surface level stuff. It's almost like that's the easy part. Changing a person's like character is that's that's the hard part, but that's the more impactful part.
0: Uh when it comes to I find that there are clients that are resistant to change. Um, There are just people in general that are more willing to fight for their limitations than they are to fight for their outcomes. And I believe that this is due to uh, not a, a lack of want, but a fear of shifting one's identity. Do your clients uh struggle? Have you struggled with an identity shift? Have your clients struggled with an identity shift? And if someone is struggling with an identity shift where they keep on repeating the same behaviors, they're completely controllable. This is like ideal situation where the person is the, the person the person is the only thing in the way. What are your what are your thoughts on how to shift that identity? Reframe it, percept perception shift your own experience in shifting identities
1: it's definitely something that that i go through with clients and with myself to various degrees and and within the gym and especially outside of the gym but i think the best way to shift this is to go through the thing that you're trying to do and so doing the thing is the thing that's going to change you versus thinking about why you can't do the thing and i have a great story for this one so there's a a woman who i used to train Um, She was young, never really went to the gym before, but she wanted to like get fit. She identified as someone who's like, uh, you know, she was the the classic, I don't want to get too big. I don't want to, you know, get super strong. And like, I know I'm not a person who like, I'm not a gym person. So I don't want to like do all that barbell crazy stuff. And like, I'm not that person that she would, she would say this kind of stuff. I'm just not a, I'm not a fitness person, but I know that this is like important for my health. So like, I kind of want to do this. And so, you know, we trained together for, for a while and. As she would like progress in weights and stuff, I would you know, obviously was keeping track, but I wouldn't really tell her what was happening and that like, this is okay. Now this is, you know, 30 pounds. And last week you were at 25 pounds or whatever it was. And I wouldn't really reference it that much because I knew that she would be resistant to the fact that like, Oh, that's not for me. Like she would look at the big dumbbells and be like, Oh, that's not like that. Those are for other people in the gym, even though it was like a private gym. And it's like, she would see other people. There's like two other people in the gym and they were you people like her doing the thing. And then it really clicked for her when she went away on a work trip and so she's working out in the hotel gym. And at the time she was hip thrusting I, I want to say it was like close to 100 kilos like she was pretty she actually got like really strong. And uh and and around 100 yeah it was about 100 kilos maybe a little bit less but in and around there anyways. And uh in the hotel gym she texted me I wrote her her workout that she would be able to do in the hotel gym she goes the dumbbell only goes up to 25. Like, why is this so easy? She said, I'm using the heaviest one in the gym and it's so easy. And I said, Yeah, because you're a gym person now. And so that was like a perspective shift for her by just doing the thing. And maybe it took me to sort of, I didn't lie to her, but I didn't tell her how much she was lifting. She never asked because she just thought, Oh, I just like do my thing and her body was changing and whatever. But she still didn't feel like a gym person until that moment where she's like, Oh, yeah, like I maxed out the hotel gym and like, that's a big shift for someone. Cause for someone who thinks that they should be using the little pink dumbbells and booty bands to be maxing out the gym, this gym literally doesn't have heavy enough weights for me to work out. That's a, that's a huge shift, but it only happened by like actually doing the thing. I don't think that you can force that on someone to, to convince them to change their perspective about themselves. So I think that doing the work is the thing that will change the way that you view yourself and, and position yourself in the world.
0: Yeah, I I think that when we uh, really figure out the characteristics and traits of the person that we want to be, then we can use that as a reference in present day decision making. Hmm. I think uh, I I love I love identity shifting or the idea of it, and there's so many different ways. Like it 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 can impact so many so many things on, at such a simple level. Even how you show up for yourself in the mornings like just if you get up long enough or if you go to bed at the same time, wake up early. I I wake up early. I like waking up early. It's just a thing. Sleeping in for me is like six, 7.00 AM, but (laughs) I really, I really enjoy, uh, or I didn't enjoy that at first, but then I grew to appreciate it the more I did it. And it's like the, I'm not going to remember them off the fly, but it's like the, the five stages of, um, progress. So there's you have um optimistic ignorance or something like that where you are excited to try something new. you're like super pumped up and you're like, yeah, let's go to the gym. let's fucking get yeah. it <laughs> and then it goes down and then you start thinking, oh shit, this is a lot harder than I thought. and then the next phase is there's nothing happening. that's the the valley of despair. this isn't happening. this is bullshit. It's time to quit. That's where people usually quit. but, The thing that I want people to really recognize is that when behaviors and identity follow the actions, you already mentioned that, and keep on going through that valley of despair because then you go up and you're like, oh, I am lifting 25 pounds, which was in my mind at one point really difficult, but the evidence and the the facts are building up and it's like, well if the shoe fits, you might just be a gym goer now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I I mean, it is difficult. It is difficult to go through that valley of despair. It's significantly easier when you have a coach or accountability partner and maybe not even an accountability partner, but someone, a, a leader, a guide of some sort that's, that's getting you through that and like doing the things for you, holding your hand through the process that is way easier than just, you know, grin and bear it and like, Realizing magically that you like you are the person that you think you're not. So I think the only way to go through that is is if you're if you're not going through it with a guide or with a coach of some sort, keeping track of what you are doing on paper will actually draw attention to that. So if you're not if you don't identify as the gym goer and you realize like, okay, I've been doing fifteen pounds for ten reps for like seven weeks now. And you realize like, okay, hold on. This is actually like kind of easy for me. Like, could I do the 20 pound dumbbell? Could I use the 17 and a half? And you just try it. And then like, okay, yeah, that actually wasn't so bad. And then, you know, you do that for another six weeks. Cause you still don't believe like, okay, the 20 fine, but like the 25, like that's absolutely you know not happening. And you do that for seven weeks and you realize, you know, your RPE or your whatever is like a three out of 10. And like, okay, hold on. This is actually like pretty easy for me. Like, that girl over there that guy over there like he's doing it like could i do it oh maybe let me just try it let me just try one let me just try one and see what happens and then you try it and It's like oh okay i can do this but if you're not and this is circling back to the beginning now if you're not if you're not aware of of what you're doing and and just drawing attention to your own actions and consciously doing things you'll keep picking up that 15 pound dumbbell. You'll never actually register how difficult it is, how much you you progressed or didn't progress or that you could do more. So paying attention to what you're actually doing is, is a very valuable thing. And obviously a coach does this for you in a sense, but I think part of that is under, helping clients understand that like, hey, this is what you're actually doing. You are actually more capable capable of more than you think you are. And, and now you can become the person that you, that you claim that you weren't.
0: I really like that. So, um, everyone has ne- negative internal chatter. So what's, yeah? Uh, what is your daily or day-to-day negative internal chatter say
1: for, for myself, mm-hmm. for, for myself, it's, it's, it's imposter syndrome. That is by far the biggest thing. And I'm, I would imagine like, you know, almost every trainer goes through this to to some degree, but you know, I, I train people. I know that I'm, I believe that I am, pretty good or very good at what I do but I'm also very aware that I am not the best and I would never claim to be like the best trainer or I'm better than everybody else like I, there there's so much more for me to learn and there are plenty of people who I'm still learning from so until there's a time in my life where I'm not learning from anyone which I'm pretty sure that will never happen I will never claim that or or pretend to even claim that having said that that leads me to believe that like well if I don't know everything there are these people who are ahead of me who do know things that I'm continually learning from so I'm not shit. Why would someone listen to me? Why would someone listen to my ideas about my, about my life and my experiences and my clients and my fitness and nutrition knowledge and all this stuff? Like, yeah, I'm good, but like, I'm not the best. There's better people out there. So just listen to those people. And the thing that gets me through that is that every time someone gets help from me, or I get a positive comment to say like, Hey, like that idea really, really helped me. And what I realized is that that idea is not new or it's not something that i invented or or i'm not i wasn't even the original thinker of that thought but i packaged it in a way that helped that person or spoke to that person or resonated with them or even if it wasn't that it's just they saw my post or my podcast versus another post because that's what the algorithm fed them that day it's like well then then that's a good thing then i've done good work and so therefore i should keep going and so i guess it is the imposter syndrome is is counteracted by by positive reinforcement of of doing the thing that I that I think that I'm not. And so when I do the thing and I get positive reinforcement from it, it's like, okay, then then I'm obviously like I should keep doing this if if it helped one person, then it might help someone else and might be valuable to someone else. So, But but it always comes back. I see something like, oh, that was that was a great idea. That was a great poster. I learned this thing. It's like, oh, but I didn't even know that before. Like, what a fraud I am. I've been talking all this stuff. And I didn't even know that thing about that angle of that muscle or that, you know, molecular pathway. Like, I didn't even know that until today. Like, how could anyone listen to me like when this guy or this girl exists in the world? And, and so it it's a constant battle of just, of just going through this. I think I'm getting better at it as I continue to go through it, uh, continue to do stuff and continue to put myself out into the world, but I don't think it'll ever end.
0: Yeah. I'm on the same page where with, uh, the imposter syndrome, I, I find it is a very similar. It wasn't until recently where I heard someone say like, <clears throat> uh, The information is the same and you can just have the the same exact instructions, but what makes it unique and what makes it special is when you recycle it into with recycle it into your own personal experience as well. So you're speaking from a place of how I rather than how to. And when I had that switch up, that's when I started that decreased the imposter syndrome a little bit more because I get to speak on something that has worked which kind of ties into what we were saying earlier about if something's worked, where it's like, no, someone took away carbohydrates and it works really well for them, but it's not going to work well for everyone else. I think something that uh, philosophy has given me as a gift is the desire to search for the truest truth. And to me, the truest truth is like, what is the most common denominator ever? So like it's, It's where things overlap. That's where I think philosophy and theology, they have overlaps. So they have common denominators in particular ways, like don't be a piece of shit. I think that one's a common denominator in a majority of philosophies and religions. And then it's the individual that can take that and utilize it however they wish. How do you, so with that, I think intention plays a huge role in, how someone utilizes a tool, would you find your, would you describe yourself as a well-intentioned person?
1: I try my best to be, I try to my best to be intentional with almost everything that I do or to the, to the biggest, to the largest degree that I can, including things that I'm doing wrong. So this past weekend was the Super Bowl. And so, yeah, I had, you know, chicken wings and pizza and I didn't go overboard, but I knew that like, I'm not going to feel as good as I will feel tomorrow because of what I'm doing today. And I have to accept that or I can't complain about the outcome because if I assume that I'm just going to do this stuff and wake up tomorrow and be like, why do I feel like shit? Well, then that was me not being intentional about my actions. So I try to, I try to be like very aware of all the things that I'm doing and, and this can sound Like this can sound robotic and it's not like I'm sitting there at a Super Bowl party, weighing food and measuring out food and like calculating things. It's just a, it's just a thought that crosses my mind. Like I'm going to do this. I'm going to have, you know, six, not 27. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to have a few. And, and so it's just a thought that crosses my mind all the time. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? What are the future implications of this? Is this good or bad? If it's a bad thing, am I okay with accepting the consequences of this bad thing? If yes, Proceed. If no, then then don't. And and it's it's really as simple as that. I think I've gotten a lot better at it as I continue to practice it more. Um, it would be a thing that would probably have slowed me down in the past where you contemplate this. Should I do it? Should I not? Should I should I post that picture? Like, should I start an Instagram account? Like, should I do this? Like, I don't know. But then after it's like, okay, you just make decisions and, and roll with it and you make the best decision that you can in the moment. And then accept the consequences of your actions after. And then the other side of that is, if it didn't work out the way that you thought it would work out, then you got to go backwards and be like, well, why? It's not. It's not random. And if it is random, then, then whatever, it is what it is. So, you know, something happened that it made me late. There was traffic. There was a uh, something. Fine. But if it wasn't random, then then I have to evaluate why didn't the outcome turn out the way that it was supposed to, and. And then I learned that lesson for the next time. Don't do that again if I don't want that outcome. So it's it's this constant, again, it goes back to awareness. Just just generally being aware of the things that I'm doing and what happens when I do those things.
0: I like that. Uh, Jocko Willink uh, had a podcast not that long ago. And I thought it was a really cool lesson, but he said that intention has a smell. Mm-hmm. And I've found myself, especially in the last like, two, three years, I think where I was real, becoming significantly more intentional, um, or actively s- becoming intentional. And I think five steps ahead, I try to keep it so that my world is very small and I'm very robotic because of that. So it's very calculated. Like there's even with my smallest decisions, there's intention behind it, but I've actually found that I've become much more fulfilled in silly things because of that. But uh, yeah, Jocko Willing says, says said that uh, intention has a smell. So from the point of uh, really developing, going down, not just philosophy, but just in the last, I'm using I'm using your busted up knees as a reference point because <laughs> I think like that's like something where it's physically shitty. Increase it just changes the, the trajectory of life. Mm-hmm. How have, have you noticed characteristics, traits, or perhaps what are some indicators of ill intention?
1: It's complaining about things that happened that were within your control. So I gained 30 pounds over this year. I don't know how it happened. Well, it didn't happen by accident, right? It happened there may be totally legit reasons as to why someone fell off the deep end with their nutrition and all that stuff. And those reasons are valid, but understanding that you still made choices and understanding how it happened. And I think that's just a very prevalent example because I'm sure, you know, you know, through all the lockdowns and through everything, there's been a lot of people who went through a lot of physical changes over the past couple of years. And a lot of them on the other end, like, oh, I don't know what happened. I was just like, I were I really wasn't doing that much. Like I wasn't eating that much. I swear, but I just gained all this weight. It's like, well, y- you obviously were because otherwise it wouldn't it wouldn't have happened. And so, you know, some people say like, oh wow, you sound like what a dick to say that. It's like, well, I- I'm not going to say it like that to a brand new client who I don't know. But if it's like my buddy who's like, hey, like I why did I gain all this weight? Like, well, because you're eating like a fat ass and not exercising. Like I'll say that to one of my best friends, right? But, but understanding that your your actions or lack of actions do have consequences and and that they have to they have to match and so as long as you don't complain about what happened then then you're then you're okay and just understanding what it is is i think i think that's the biggest part of that is not complaining about the things that you didn't do
0: i think by not complaining we're actually able to take Uh, ownership, Uh, take power. There we go. Take power over what we perceive to be uh, something so far out of our control. Um, At least that was my thought on that one. That was a pretty good
1: one. a, A further thought on that is like something that I always say is like, you know, whatever, whatever's going on with your body or even by extension, the rest of your life, like good, bad, or otherwise it's your fault. And that again, it can sound That can sound mean and that can sound rude. But the way that I see it is you have two options. If it's not your fault, then you have no control over it and you're fucked, good or bad or otherwise. There's nothing you can do about it, then you're fucked. You're just going through this life and things are going to happen and that's it. Versus if you take ownership of that outcome and say, well, this is my fault, that means that now, if it's your fault, you can do something. correct it. And that's a great thing. So go do that thing and make it better. And of course, there are always like things that are out of our control. There's always stuff that's going to happen. But if you can control for as many variables as you can, then you have as much control over the outcome as possible. And even if you don't have control over it, wouldn't it be better to assume control and do the things that you think are going to get the best outcome versus woe is me. I'm doomed. Things are just happening to me. And, uh, you know, hopefully it works out, but if it doesn't, then, uh, you know, it sucks to be me. Let me go on Twitter and complain about things that have nothing to do with it. So like, I, I think that taking control or taking responsibility for your life and your fitness, and everything else, understanding that, Hey, things are your fault. That means you can do something about it. Therefore go do the thing and don't worry about it. Just do the things that you need to do.
0: Yeah. Right. That's so good. Well put, uh, something actually, what are, what are some values? What are some non-negotiables for yourself?
1: Non-negotiables, uh, spending time outside every single day. That is a big non-negotiable for me. It doesn't have to be a lot of time because, you know, I don't just have hours a day to be wandering around the forest. I would love that, but, but you know, life is real. Uh, but it's like at least 10 minutes outside every single day, moving around, walking. To the sidewalk and or to the, you know, to the stop sign and back kind of thing, just spend some time outside every single day. That is an absolutely a non-negotiable for me. And it's a it's a it's a reset. It's a little bit of a pattern interrupt from the monotony of being inside the gym or being sat at my computer or whatever. That is probably the the biggest non-negotiable for me, and it's the most thing that I can control. The second thing I'd say is my sleep is something that I'm very protective of, and I do my best to not let things interrupt that i don't stay up late get caught on my phone scrolling on social media or watch a show that's you know the hot show that's on right now that oh i've got to stay up to watch this next episode like i i'm very as much as possible if i got to stay up late for for to do some work stuff like and and i definitely make these sacrifices from time to time but again they're they're very intentional so so it's not a it's not totally a non-negotiable because i will make those sacrifices here and there, but as much as possible, I don't. And if I, and if I do make that sacrifice, then there's already a plan to make up for it. Either I'm sleeping in more the next morning, or there's, there's, there's going to be a nap or the workout is going to be adjusted the next day or something like that. So going outside every single day for at least 10 minutes is absolutely non-negotiable. And then the second kind of iffy by definition
0: is, uh, is my sleep. That's pretty sweet. Uh, what do you think can shift in other people to help change their Victim mentality. Hmm.
1: I think it's it's really what I what I said before is understanding that everything that's happened to you is your fault. Or maybe not understanding, but assume that everything that's happened to you is your fault. That then gives you the power to be able to change it. Again, you know, building off of what I said and just expanding on a little bit is don't perceive that everything is your fault as negative just perceive it as positive because it means that you can change it. If you can't change it, then you're screwed and that's not good. So it being your fault means you can change it. Therefore, don't worry. Don't be a victim. Be an active producer, enlightener of your own life and and then go do the things that you need to do and be very, be very stoic about that. I, I think that it's very easy to get emotional about the things that happen in our life and we should experience emotions. I'm not saying that you should block out your emotions, but you have to be in control of them. If your emotions are leading all of your decisions, that's usually not a good thing. You need to experience your emotions. You need to feel them. You need to understand them, but you can't let them dictate the way you live. So understand or accept that things are your fault and then make the changes necessary to get the outcomes that you want.
0: I think I like to, I like, uh, the philosophy of solipism. I don't, I'm not really sure where I stand on this, but basically the idea that, uh, the whole world is just a video game. Right? <laughs> it's yeah. the game of life. And yeah. I find, cause I like going outside off to going outside is a non-negotiable for me as well. And I find that the more and more I intentionally am living life, the more I see, uh, how it's a video game. And I, think compared to Skyrim, like there's a, there's an open world life and video games are very similar. There's objectives, there is NPCs, there's a main character, there's a task. And then there's just, you just keep on going until the end of the game and any, any skill that makes life better or any skill. Yeah. Any skill that makes life better is considered a life skill. And I think If you were to look at a skill tree, it would go awareness would be the first little segment in the skill tree. So people would have to learn awareness first, then it goes to self-awareness. And I think that's where people Mm. awareness goes like, oh, wow, I actually exist in this world. There's, there's more (laughs) to this than my thoughts. Then self-awareness is, whoa, this is how I interact with the world this is me, like all that stuff, right? And I find that people don't take it that next step, which is what you're referring to. So I think awareness, self-awareness in the skill tree. And then after self-awareness goes self-reflection. How am I a part of the problem? Yeah. And I I think it's kind of neat that uh, things that we learn kind of happen in sequence, one after the other, after the other. And I think when we have that intention, just like when we sit down for five hours and we're trying to collect all the, all of the bonus material in the video game, because we want to hit hundred percent, which is interesting because in a video game, we are applying the same duration of time where our skills do develop faster and we do acquire or accomplish objectives faster but I think the same kind of uh, same same things can apply to real life, where we have objectives, mm-hmm. and then we just go after them, and we try to enjoy the process as if we are in a video game. And being really intentional is uh, the way of doing that. So I don't know where this, I was going to go with that, but this, the
1: speed aspect of that is very interesting to me because the thought that runs through my mind as you reference video games and like leveling up our skill is I I I think back to like the Pokemon games. You no, know, you'll spend hours. I did it when I was a kid. Spend hours battling, you know, the level five ratatata, whatever, like the the most useless shit in the game. But you do that to like level up your guy, and you'll spend hours doing that. And you know, the the increase in skill and the leveling up is way faster than regular life. But it's the same as spending time writing, spending time in the gym, spending time upgrading whatever skill that's relevant to your job in your life, and, and just the the time horizon is is longer. I can't spend two hours writing and then expect to be a significantly better writer in that time, I might have to spend two months or two years to be a significantly better writer. So there's something about the time horizon that's there. But again, when you circle it back to the awareness and the self awareness, if you are aware of your little wins along the way, then you can really understand that like what you are doing is better. And it's putting you on the what you're doing is making you better. And it's putting you on the path to where you want to get to.
0: Absolutely. Uh, When people lose track or when yourself, when you lose track of the objective where maybe it's a tough time and the objective is a little blurry and it's tougher. Um, how do you counter that when you, yeah. How do you counter that? You can kind of take that wherever you wish.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a big one for sure. I think I'll have a couple of practices where, whether it be breath work or spending time in nature. And, and I don't know how I actually decide which of these avenues to go, whether it be doing, doing an ice bath or going into a float tank or doing a long meditation or like leaving my phone at home and wandering around the forest for a few hours or like, but I, I don't, I don't know how I make that decision, but it's like one of those things feels like I just got to get away from everything. And whatever one of those things pops in my head is a thing that I need to do. I go do one of those things where it's, it's something that is getting me out of my current environment, disconnecting me from the decisions that are, That are taking place or need to take place. And then I start to think about the future implications of the things that I'm doing. And so the exercise is more like, and this is not super structured, but the exercise that goes on in my head is like, if I continue on the path that I'm going on right now, what will happen next month and what will happen in five years? If that's not something that I want or that I'm, I really think that I'm aiming at, then, then I need to figure out, well, what needs to change? Why won't I get to the, to a place that I like? What about that place don't I like? And then how do I make that not happen? And then how do I then find something else that I do like about this? So I think the most important part of it is actually getting out of the environment. It's very hard to think different thoughts when you're in the place where you're thinking the thoughts that you don't like. So, so changing, again, nature, ice bath, a uh, float tank, whatever it is, get out of the environment, get, get out of your body, get into your, get, get out of your head, get into your body. And that can even be through a hard workout or a combination of these things. Um, but then just thinking about the long term, if things didn't change, how do they end up in a few years? Do I like that? If yes, continue. And probably the answer is no, because that's the reason I'm doing that exercise. And And so then what can I, what don't I like about that? And how do I make that not happen?
0: Tony Robbins has a saying is, uh, change the state to change the strategy. Yeah. And when, when I'm, uh, experiencing a very similar thing to the, to the question I asked, that's the first thing that I think is like change the state, change the strategy. And mine's very similar too. It's just, okay, just get out of the environment, just like separate it, object it, just tune into it. Um, what is something that, uh, society cares about that you don't care about at all?
1: Oh, uh, Um, I'm in a place right now, like a physical place and where I live and several people that I, that I interact with on a daily basis that are significantly more materialistic than I am. I don't care about fashion. I don't care about stuff, brands, car brands, shoes, having how much stuff you have. And I've got more stuff than you. And I know that not all of society cares about that, but there is a large amount of people, and certainly within my current like physical vicinity and people who I who I interact with, that that seem to place a lot of importance. And again, I'm projecting that on them, but this is the things that they that they talk about more often. And so I I don't know whether they how much they actually value it, but it is something that is often brought up. And I just have nothing to contribute. Like, yeah, well, I don't know, spending six hundred dollars on a t shirt seems ridiculous to me even if I had unlimited money I, I don't think I would do that it's not because it's expensive and because it's I'm not in a place where I can afford that right now it's just because I don't if I think if I had a billion dollars I still probably wouldn't do that because it just wouldn't be a thing that would cross my mind so I mean that that's that's pretty that's a pretty easy answer I think to, <laughs> to, to answer your question is that like just materialistic crap but um yeah it's probably the it's it's the only thing that's really coming to mind. I'm not, um, what, what's something for you? Give me, give me an example. I think I can get something deeper here.
0: Mine is, uh, it's funny. I, I asked someone the last podcast too. This is a really, it's a really cool question. I think it's a it really is. important one uh, for me. It's so something that society puts importance on that. I do not, um, not to like a historical standpoint, but, more of the, the, the specific nuance of like an individual past. So I care about past. Otherwise like the whole first section where you were talking about like your heritage being Greek and like everything like that. I don't think my heritage is that, but I'm in there, man. I am in there. And, uh, some, something that I've actually learned is that the past is not that important. In my Mm -hmm. mind, for myself, so my personal past, I do not want to take past pains and perpetuate it by bringing it into the present. I find that more often than not, people are bringing in their past experience and using that as a crutch and as an alibi to prevent progress. So I'm very focused on present, future, present, future, present, future. And then obviously I'll use the wisdom and the experience of my past to make informed decisions going into the future. So, but I'm also, so the things I want to take, I'll take. But I think uh, when it comes to, when it comes to the past, people are like, oh my gosh, this happened to me when I was a kid and I'm 35 years old and I just can't do it. I'm like, what, what? So I find like we, we are just keeping uh, the ghosts of our past alive and those ghosts have power over us. And I, for myself and the reason why I put a uh, reason why the past is very important for me to like separate is because I used to let it own me. Mm. I used to let it own me. And I actually viewed myself as a victim just because other people, I would say, yeah, I went through this, this, this people would be like, Oh my gosh, you were such a victim. And because other people said that I started believing it when I started believing it, I started behaving it. And I didn't like that because I did not feel as if I was a victim because I already went through it. It's, it's an experience. So I had to shift that. So I put it, I, I have, have a, I have more of a, I, I don't care about the past or past experiences as much as what I think mo- many people do.
1: I love that. I love that answer. That's a way better answer than I give. <laughs> I, you as, know- as you're, as you're thinking, as you're saying that though, one thing that, that does cross my mind about myself, and, and it's very much related to what you're saying, is something that I don't place a lot of value in is, is the narrative of what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to do this at this time. You're supposed to get this. Then you're supposed to get this. Then you're supposed to get this. My question is always, why? Why do I have to do that? I know that that's how it's always been done. And there may be value in that. And like let's explore that. But maybe there's a better way. And if not, then like you know, carry on with how things are supposed to go. But I think that... And, and I don't know that... I like to argue and I like to, I like to question things. And this is something that I've just, it was just my natural predisposition from a kid. I was just, you know, questioning stuff. Why do we do it that way that it's done? And so I think that something that I don't value is the narrative of we're supposed to do things the way that they're supposed to be done. You're supposed to do these life steps in this order. And then that way. So I think that I just think, well, why? I mean, maybe it's true, but like, let's, let's question this. Why? And if that doesn't make sense to me in the context of my life, well, then I'm just not going to do that because that doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, I really like that as well because <clears throat> I think I think people are putting too much like are putting unnecessary pressure on themselves to accomplish things by a certain point in time, and then when they don't reach that reach that expectation, then they find themselves in a sewer cycle. So they just find themselves in a shitty place, and then it just keeps on happening and happening and happening. I think um I think being more reasonable and setting uh, actually, this is the way I like to put it. Realistic expectations and unrealistic goals. Hmm. So, cause I think people have it flipped where it's realistic goals with unrealistic expectations. And yes. I think that's when people find themselves in a shitty spot where it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't lose X amount of weight and X amount of time. Oh my gosh, I didn't make X amount of money and X amount of time. It's like, well, it's going to take longer. So expect yeah. it to take longer, but make your goal something worthwhile while you're on that long pursuit, that long journey. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally agreed. Totally agreed with that. Uh, so where do you think that, um, because well, I understand, I understand the curiosity. Where do you think your, I think I'm going to use the word, right? your proclivity to curiosity comes from
1: i actually have no idea it's it's just i think that it, it may be this my my dad argues with his dad all the time and not in a, not in a mean way they have a fantastic relationship so it's not like they're they're fighting but like he says stuff and then my grandfather will say stuff and then my dad's like you know questions him and like challenges him and they get into an argument and whatever. And then, so I think seeing that growing up and also my dad challenging me to, to answer the question, why I would say something, you know, a kid at school, you know this is like young. I'm not, I don't have a specific example, but I can picture this happening in my head. Like, you know, little Johnny at school said this and my dad's like, Oh yeah. It's like, really like why does that make sense and he would ask me these why questions and get me to to think about the things that i was saying and and have a reason for for saying those things and so then that led me into and this is very very much like the socratic method of of teaching where it's like the the whole me- teaching method is just ask why a million times until you get to the the bare bones truth, and uh, I don't know that he did this on purpose or 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 even like consciously or whatever, but but he definitely did it and continues to do it, and so every decision that I make is very much in in it's always in the back of my mind where it's like what what would he say about this? Like, what are the downsides to this? What are the, what are the plus sides to this? Why should someone do this? Why shouldn't someone do this? And then mix that all in the context of my life. So I think it actually just came from, came from my dad, his relationship with his father, and then his relationship to, to me growing up. And, and even still now of like always just that questioning why. And so it's always in the back of my head to understand why I'm doing something or ask the question, why is that the way it is?
0: I find yeah, I, I I, that's pretty sweet. I can't really think back. I, I can't think of a specific uh, memory where it's like, oh, that's where I got it. But I definitely have a similar curiosity. Like I'm really drawn towards curiosity or just curiosity just in general. Like I'm just I just like to learn shit. Even if it's like, I'm sure you've probably gone down a Wikipedia rabbit hole a couple of times, just (laughs) at the whims of your curiosity. You're just like, well, all right, like superheroes for me, man. I can tell you a lot about superheroes, Star (laughs) Wars. I can tell you about, about that too. Um, But I think the, the, the thing that's really cool with the, having that impact of curiosity so early on is that set the foundation of you to be able to be curious about yourself. So it's not just the world, the external world around you. When you develop that awareness, then that self-awareness, and then that self-reflection in the skill tree of life, one of the skill trees, you were able to take, I think by having that, it it sped up the process that I think everybody eventually learns as we experience more and more life. Yeah, I I think.
1: I'm with you that I can't pinpoint a a moment where it's like, oh, now I'm curious. But if I can think back to when I realized, because when I was, you know, when I was a kid, my dad asked me these questions and doing this stuff like that was just normal. That was just what happened. I I wasn't able to, and I don't say this a negative way. I wasn't able to just like talk shit and just get away with it because like, I would always be questioned. And so I'd have to have a reason for why that is, or it would be challenged in some way. And then as I grew up and, you know, you start to meet other friends, meet new people. And then you ask them, why, why do you think X? And they have no reason. It was, it was interesting to me that like, well, what do you mean? You don't know? Like you just said that thing. Like, how do you have no way to back it up? And so that's when I realized that this wasn't exactly common or, or normal to be, infinitely curious and infinitely questioning the things that you do. And then I think curiosity also feeds itself where it's like you go down a few Wikipedia rabbit holes and, or whatever other version of that is. And you realize like, wow, there's a lot of shit out there that I don't know about. And so it's like, well, if I don't, if I didn't know this whole world, well, what other stuff do I not know anything about? And so, and then that just like opens a door. It's a, it's an infinite door and like a dangerous one to, to, to wander into. But, but I think knowing that it exists is, is a nice thing.
0: Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's, a, I like that. I like that you said, it. it's like, oh man, there's like an infinite amount of information. <laughs> yeah. It's how do you, how do you um mitigate the overwhelm of information overload?
1: I think about it as, as um how does this apply to my life? Mm-hmm. I could spend, if I, if you know, I didn't have to make money and didn't have to eat and all that stuff, I would just spend forever just Googling shit, anything, literally anything. But obviously that's not, that's not real. So at some point it comes, you know, the, the non-negotiables like, okay, I've got to get outside today. I've got to get my workout in. I got to get to sleep. I got to do these things. So I can't just spend the next seven hours Googling, you know, how, uh, you know, types of trees or something like that. Like I would love to do that, but I can't do that. So if this is not actually like applicable to my life, then, then I've got to, then I'm aware enough of what I'm doing to not get sucked too deep into that rabbit hole to just cut it off there. And like, okay, maybe I'll just bookmark this and pick it up for another time but uh it's just understanding whether that search of that pursuit of knowledge is is somewhat applicable to my life and sometimes i can convince myself that it is or that it's like oh it's not the thing that i'm going to learn from going down this rabbit hole it's like the it's it's the process of learning that i'm you know I, i play these mind games with myself like oh this may come up in like some random conversation. I'm sure there's some story here that I can say to someone like and I and I convince myself and I lose the battle sometimes. Don't get me wrong. But I think the the main thing is just like, is this applicable to my life in some way that is tangible? If yes, continue. If no, then you know, do it for as long as is is required and then cut it off when you when you need to do something else.
0: Yeah, as long as you have the utility. I have a nice little eighty twenty. It's like eighty percent education, twenty percent entertainment. Yeah. 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 It's so funny. that's pretty cool. Uh, this is fun because it's our first time like chatting just in general, other than in, in the DMS. And I think it's cool when, uh, folks are just drawn to each other. Like they just have a very similar, similar experiences, but never actually having a conversation. I think, I think it's neat. I just, uh, I think it goes to show just how small the world is and how very similar people are compared to dissimilar.
1: And this is why I love podcasting as well. We would have never, if podcasting didn't exist, like we would have never had this conversation. And even if it did exist, like, but we didn't connect or, or not, not not that it didn't exist but you know there's not that many people who you have an actual one-on-one conversation with just about kind of like not really scripted even your significant other you know your home at the end of the day may just be the two of you but you're talking about what happened in the day and the the goings- on of the day and the goings- on of the next day and what's happening this weekend and whatever it's not just a, oh let's just sit down and talk and obviously we had a you know a general structure of things to discuss today when we have some know, similarities through through fitness at least but other than that it's just let's just have a conversation. So it 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 leads or it lends to the exploration of all these ideas, which I think is which I think is awesome And I think it's a great you know thing to listen to and I've learned a lot from listening to podcasts in my own in my own life over the last however many years and so I just uh, I think that the, the medium is great for that and you know it feeds into that curiosity of like, hey, everyone's got something to share. And there's so many similarities across people from all different walks of life and different lenses that people come to the same or similar conclusions, like alluding to the, you know, the religions and the, whatever it's like, yeah, they're all different, of course, but like they're not, they're not that different. They're all mostly, mostly saying the same, same stuff, just through different stories.
0: Totally, man. Okay. So we're at the top of the hour and um, I'm going to leave it on that one. Cause I'm trying to think, I'm like, how, how could that get any better as an ending. <laughs> and I think that that was a fantastic point to step off of. Um, so I got two questions for you and still playing around with it. I'm not sure if I'll have both questions, one question, but you know, the podcast is still in the infancy. So I think it's uh, I think it's important to gather data, but <clears throat> before I get into those questions, my friend, For the folks listening, if you love today's episode, please do me a favor right now, share it on your Instagram stories, tag me with my handle at warrior body, Kyle, along with at Daniel Yores, D-A-N-I-E-L-Y-O-R-E-S, correct? That's correct. Excellent. Uh, That is one of the ways that we grow. So if you would love to support us, I would love for you to be able to share it on your Instagram stories, tag me in it, tag Daniel in it. And. Going into the final question, my friend, final two questions. First one, we'll set the scene. You're on your deathbed. None of your content exists. You have one lesson that you can pass on. What's the lesson that you want to pass on before Ooh. you pass on?
1: Um, none of my content exists and I've got one more chance to impart one lesson on the world. I would say that that lesson is to I'm battling between two in my head right now as I'm kind of just, you know, saying these words and stalling for time as as any good podcaster would do. But <laughs> I think my lesson is, is is to is to spend time thinking about your life and, and by the spend time, I mean, literally sit down and, and do nothing but think, I think that's a somewhat of a, of a lost art. We're always on our phone. We're always entertained or distracted by something and, and spending time being bored, thinking about your thoughts is a valuable lesson. And I think there's way more that you can learn from that than from a lot of other things. So my last lesson to the world, given all that, you know, that context is spend time thinking about your thoughts
0: and get good at it. That's awesome. For the final question. How would you define living a limitless life?
1: Living a limitless life to me would be being able to sort of do what you want, when you want, with who you want, and not being constricted by your body, number one. If you want to go like on some crazy hike, you want to walk up a you know hike, whatever, struggling to think of an example, Machu Picchu or one of those kind of things, you want to do that. But you have a bum knee or something like that, like something's wrong physically that that you can control. Obviously, people have physical issues that are out of your control. All that stuff aside, uh, you know, political correctness and all things. <laughs> but if with if your physical body is holding you back from that, that is not good. Now you're 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 depriving yourself of an experience in life. Uh, finances goes the same way. You want to do those things. These things cost money. They cost resources. So you've got to be able to do those things. So being able to choose what you want to do when you want to do it and who you want to spend that time with. I think that is the, the, the path to a limitless life rather than letting things happen to you. You hang out with those people because they're just the people that are there and you do that thing because that was the thing that was available in that moment. And, and there's value in that too, going somewhere with strangers, going somewhere random with strangers, but do that intentionally. Don't just do it because that's what happened to you do it because you chose to go on this random adventure with random people. Like that is an option as well. And that can be extremely
0: valuable and fun, but, uh, do with your eyes open. Fantastic answer, my man. Well, folks listening, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, five-star review. If you're listening to this on a podcast app, I got nothing more to say. So until next time, I hope your day, Tracy, as good as you look.